0: Peah Pergamel Mishnah Zion three This is by far the most involved mission of the whole Masechta. It has two separate topics, neither of which have anything to do with Peah whatsoever. Um, both are quite involved. The first is talking about the matana shchiv when a person gives something away on his deathbed, and the details I'll explain in a moment. And the second one talks about when a married man gives away his assets in his lifetime to his children, and um, how we deal with the ksuba for the wife. Okay, both of those topics have nothing to do with the Masakta. They only come up here because the previous Mishnah talked about karkakolshehu, when sometimes any amount of land is sufficient. So since that karkakolshehu concept of any amount of land comes up in these two topics in this Mishnah, so it's features over here. Okay, so let's do each thing at its own time. The first is the matna shidmera, the gift of a person on his deathbed. So, a bit of background. If if there a person has an asset... And he wants to transfer that asset to another person. So there's the only way that can be done, middle raisam, is through a kenyan. There has to be some act which effects the transfer of the ownership from Mr. A to Mr. B. And different types of assets have different types of kenyanum. So if it comes to something that's a chattel, a movable object like a pen, you have to lift it up. If it comes to whatever, and if it comes to, let's say, a piece of property, then it might be um, a kesef or star, or chazaka, different kinds of kinyanim. Whatever it is, simply saying something is yours or writing a contract to say this, you know, I'm giving something to you, um, is not necessarily binding, okay? And it simply won't work. Without the kenyan, it just won't work. Notwithstanding that, the Chazal saw that a person was on his deathbed if he is unable to affect the proper Kenyanam to settle his affairs, to transfer assets the way he wants to be transferred before he dies, so that could aggravate him and aggravate his situation, and it could actually precipitate him dying sooner than he would have otherwise. And that being the case, Chazal, in the interest of keeping people calm in the wake of potentially dying, um, they made this a that a person could gift his Assets without a formal Kenyan, either through like a written contract or just a verbal declaration that would be binding in front of witnesses, and that will be an effective way of transferring his ownership of his assets, midrah Okay, that's called the matna shhibmerah, the mechanism of gifting um, while one is on his deathbed. When one gives, like he employs that rabbinic mechanism of transferring ownership through this, you know, this, I'll call it like this leniency that the rabbis put in. That only works upon death, just the same way Yerusha works, inheritance works when the person dies, so then automatically his heirs become the new rightful owners of his assets. So if a person does a Matanashchid he says, all my assets belong to you, Johnny. So Johnny, not his heir otherwise. So now um, Johnny only gets those assets when the person who gift to them actually dies. If he recovers from his illness, so then the would-be benefactor, his gift is not binding and he keeps everything as before. In other words, it's implicit that when a person says, Johnny, I'm giving you everything I have or even some things that I have um, because I'm dying, so he means assuming I die. But if I'm not going to die, I don't mean the gift to actually be binding at all. So therefore, the difference between a regular gift and a gift from one's deathbed is twofold. The first is a regular gift requires a formal kinian, an act of acquisition that will affect the transfer of ownership, and it happens right here and now. In contrast, the gift through the mechanism called the, the from the deathbed, the Shribmarah gift, A, does not need a formal kinian, it can be done with the written instructions or verbal instructions, but it only takes effect upon the death of the person who is doing the giving. Okay, so those are two differences. Now, how do we know when a person is doing the giving if his intention is to employ this rabbinic leniency of the Shechid gifting or not? So, if he is explicit and says, listen, I'm dying, and that's why I'm giving this to you, so then, of course, he is trying to employ the mechanism that the rabbi has set up and will work through the that mechanism, meaning it only is a gift in, if in the fact he does die and it's not actually effective as a gift until he does die. That's the first of three possible ways. The second, I guess, of four possible ways. The second way is that if a person has already been on his um, his deathbed for three days, he's been sick in bed three days and he sees death looming. So again, now, even if he's not explicit, he just says, here, I'm giving you all my stuff or some of my stuff. I want you to have it um, when I'm dead or whatever. So then... Even though he's not saying that he is giving it because he's dying, he's like explicit about wanting to use the Shchid mirab mechanism. Still, it's safe to assume, as far as the rabbis are concerned, that if he's been in bed three days and he's on his deathbed, so then his intention is to employ that mechanism. And the third possibility is that he got, you know, drastically sick overnight, kafat Allah, like the, from one moment to the next, he became deathly ill. So again, we assume that the reason he's giving it away and he's giving things now is because he's anticipating dying, and therefore, um, he is, you know, trying to use the mechanism of the of the mirah gifting. If none of those three are applicable, meaning a person is very ill, but it's not three days yet, and he's not explicit in saying that he's gifting because he's going to be dying, and he doesn't have an illness that you know, sprung on him overnight. So then we're not sure what's going on in his mind. So then the Mishra will come in essentially and say, we have a fourth possibility. If a person gives away everything, since that's a very strange thing to do, normally no one would give away everything they own. So clearly what's happening is he's thinking, I'm dying. And since I'm dying, I'm trying to give everything away. Um, if, on the other hand, he says, I'll give you, he gives some things and retains some things. So that's not the way of a dying man to act. And that being the case, we'll assume that he was trying to do the gifting. Based on the usual, not not with the rabbinic shiribinra mechanism, but the regular gifting mechanism, and that being the case, if he's saying he's giving everything away, but doesn't say why he's doing it, so we'll assume it's because he's dying, um, and that means if he does die, the gift will be indeed a gift, and if he doesn't die, then he will be he'll keep his stuff. On the other hand if the person retains something for himself, so then if there's no hope of it ever um, transferring because we'll assume that he's trying to use the shchiv mirah mechanism and he is not... Excuse me, I apologize. Since he's retaining things for himself, it's evident that he is not going through the shchiv pathway. He just wants to do some gifting now and therefore it'll all be depending upon the normal kinyanum. I mean, if he does a kinyan, then it'll be effective. If he doesn't do a normal kinyan, it won't be effective. So now, with all that background, Armish is going to be considering a case where a person is not any of the first three, meaning he isn't explicit he's gifting because he's th- he thinks he's dying. He's not been in bed three days, he didn't jump upon him. He's none of those. Um, but he gives, he's doing the gifting and he accompanies the gifting with a symbolic Kenyan act. So we're basically saying, like, you know, you know, uh, when I die, I want you to have my lucky charm. Um, and here, let's do some act of Kenyan now. Okay, so that's kind of neither here nor there, right? Because um, if the Kenyan is a legitimate Kenyan, it'll work now. And if it's not a legitimate Kenyan, since he's not employing the Shriv the Merah, mechanism, the fact that he's doing the formal act shows he doesn't want to use that mechanism. He wants to use the some sort of the formal act. So if his formal act works, then it'll be the normal, and if he does a legitimate gifting now, then it's a gift. And if not, then it's not a gift even when he dies. Um, so in other words, the point is that trying to bolster the Shechid mechanism by also doing an act that is an attempted kinyan actually goes the wrong direction and makes things worse, because it suggests that he doesn't want to use the Shechid mechanism, he just wants to he wants to use this the usual conventional mechanism of gifting. All that said, if a person is explicit that he wants to use the Shrimara mechanism, he's just doing some symbolic act, like the Kinyan, an action that would look like a kin or even is a kinyan. But he's doing it just to reinforce, you know, the weight of his seriousness. But he explicitly says he wants to use the shimira mechanism, so then indeed it works. Okay, and that's called Yipikach, it's just adding strength to the shimira. So with all that background, the Mishnah starts out by saying, "Hakosev shechid mirah. If a person um, gifts all of his stuff, uh, gifts his stuff away, so, and he's in a scenario where he's not explicitly doing it as a shechid mirah, and in a case where he does some kinyan that accompanies this gifting. So a person on his deathbed, again. It's not been three days yet, and he didn't jump upon him. And he says, I'm giving you my lucky charm, and you know, um, because I'm dying. And then he does some kind of Kenyan to make that happen. So then, if the Kenyan's good, so then it works now. If the Kenyan's not a good Kenyan, it won't even work later. Why? Because you can't do that. If it's not a good Kenyan, it's not effective later on. And it's not because he's, Shibirak, cause he's it seems, because he's just giving one thing away. On the other hand, if he's giving everything away, then we'll assume he is. He is trying to use the shechimura mechanism, and he, if he is explicit about wanting to bolster it with the act, then it would work. And if not, then he's in also in a he's in bad shape, meaning it's not effective. Because if he does a real kinyan and he thinks it's just a shechimura kinyan, he's actually being McGray he's taking away from the the Shechid gifting and he's undermining it because he's not using the rabbinic mechanism of writing or declaring, he's doing an act. And therefore, if he does the act but he intends the act to work after he dies, then it's just neither, it won't be valid at all ever. Okay? So lot's a lot. So the mission says inside, of If a person writes or for that matter verbally declares um, his from his deathbed to give stuff away, Shia Karko Shi'er karka kolshu. If he retains something for himself, a little bit of land or some other asset for that matter, so you see, he's not necessarily intending to die. So then, if he uses a regular kenyan and if he says the kenyan should work from right now, then matnaso matana. Then the gift is really a bona fide gift, and the recipient can keep it, whether the guy dies or not. On the flip side, if he if he um, if he doesn't use any valid kenyan. He just says, he just says, when I die, you should have my lucky charm. So then, since he's only giving something, not everything, so then neither here nor there. He's not using the. We're not clear that he's no reason to think he's using the shichmarah mechanism because he didn't say he's using it, and he's not necessarily dying, and he didn't do a valid kenyan, and therefore that we no gift at all, and it wouldn't work either way if he doesn't leave anything for himself. He gives, he, on his deathbed, within the first three days, not sudden, not explicit about it, he's motivated because he's dying. He says, listen, I'm giving you everything that I own when I'm dead. So now, um, that is the old, looks like it's going through the mechanism of uh, the Shchid story, and that would be effective, except if he does a Kenyan to accompany it, He's undermined everything. In other words, he does a kinyan that is megareya, takes away from the shechimura enactments of the rabbis. Because by doing the kinyan, he's suggesting that he wants the kinyan to be what affects the transfer after he dies, and not the rabbinic enactment of the shechimura gifting pathway. And that being the case, everything is totally botched up because the kinyan is not valid because he means to do it later on. And it's not going to work now. And since he did, you showed he wanted to use the kinyan instead of the usual shechimura rabbinic loophole in gifting without doing a formal kinyan, So then, even if he dies, the gift isn't a gift because he didn't do it the way the rabbi set up. He used this kenyan which sort of undermined it. So therefore, matana. no matter what, whether he gets better or dies, either way, the recipient, the would-be recipient, actually doesn't get the gift. Okay? I hope that was clear. Now, the second part of the Mishnah goes on to a new topic altogether. Now we're talking about um, a person who has assets and he also has a wife and the wife therefore will have a ksuba. The ksuba protects the wife in the event that he divorces her or dies. So then she is entitled to something, whatever is specified in the ksuba. We'll call it 200 zuz. Okay? So the 200 zuz that the woman's entitled to um, is like a encumbrance, like a lien on all of his real assets. What does that mean in less fancy words? It means if he has any property that he owns, so then she has first rights to that property. It's like encumbered. It's almost like if you do a title search on those homes, so to speak, the, on the list will say Ksuba of the Isha, his wife's Ksuba. She's a claimant, which means, just to illustrate the point, if Mr. A has a wife and then Mr. And he has one house, and then Mr. A sells the house, and then Mr. A dies penniless, so Mr. A's wife will take her ksuba and go to the purchaser of the house who bought it 10 years ago and say, listen, when you bought that house, there was an encumbrance on it that it was mishubad. It was, a, it, was, it was leaned to me and my ksuba. And you actually, you have to pay the ksuba, the 200 zuz. Kind of the same way, if you have a mortgage from the bank and then you sell your house, the bank will go to the new purchaser and say, it's all very nice you bought the house. But listen, you first have to pay back the debt to us because it's encumbered. The house is encumbered. There's a mortgage. The bank has first claim to it okay? Fine. So, um, that's the backstory. Now, the case of our Mishnah here is that a man is gifting his <clears throat> his assets to his own children, okay? So normally, let's say he has three apartments and is given to his three sons. Now, normally, just like the previous story i gave the woman's ksuba will have a claim on the purchaser of that house so really the three sons apartments should also have a shibud like a lien and encumbrance to the to the ksuba of the their mother the wife okay and but the mission is going to say that there's a way that he the husband can give the apartments to the boys and at the same time relieve them of any further encumbrances to the wife so here's how it works if a person's giving away his stuff to his children, the cuss of Leishto Ishto And right now, at the time of the gifting of the properties to his children, he also gifts something to his wife, some land, any amount of land to his wife. So then that gift that he gives to the wife will come in lieu of, in place of her Ksuba. And then that will mean that she will have no further claim on the other piece of property that the father gave away. Now the Gemara says that for that to work, according to the Tanakama, three conditions have to be met. The first condition has to be that she indeed gets something. Um, When he's apportioning, she is one of the recipients of the apportioning, so that sort of like puts her on a pedestal, if you will, or that may be a bad expression, but it it recognizes the wife and she feels satisfied with that, and that's important that she's one of the recipients. Um, The second thing is she has to explicitly agree to it. She has to say that, you know, qibla aleha, that she accepts upon herself, yes, in place of my exuba. I'm accepting this gift. So it's explicit and that's clear. And the third thing is that she has to be present at the time of the gifting to the sons and not object because the idea is that if she wasn't there, then maybe she would have had an objection if she would have been around. In fact, she was silent later on just because she wasn't around, she would make a fight or something. So three conditions. She has to get something formally as part of the gifting she has to explicitly say she accepts that in place of her ksuba, and she has to be present at the time that the gifting is given to the sons. Okay, that's the shita of the Tanakama, and if any of those three things are missing, then she doesn't lose her ksuba. Rabbi im kibla he says if that second condition is met, and she is explicit about accepting it upon herself, so then, afopi Then even if the other two conditions aren't met, she still loses her ksuba, meaning the first condition I suggested was that she has to get something. But here, Ribio says, listen, if she says I'm okay getting nothing, I just want, you know, what I need to have any assets for. My boys will take care of me. I'm fine with that. So then, indeed, that works. And the Xuba is, you know, considered to be paid off and is no longer an encumbrance. Um, similarly, he holds that the third condition of her being present is not essential. If she says, I agree to the boys getting, you know, the assets and leave me, and I don't have any the claim with my ksuba, even if she's not around at the time the boys are giving the gifts themselves, still she's lost her ksuba, she's forfeited it by her own agreement to do so. And the Gmore actually adds a second possibility, um, besides for explicitly accepting it, uh, which is if she's given something and she accepts the boys getting the rest, even though she doesn't explicitly say, yes, I accept that, she just silently accepts it, you know, without a formal confirmation that she accepts this in place of Riksuba, that also would be considered to be her senior ruxuba, because she got something and she didn't object to the boys getting everything else. Okay? Now the halacha is like rabiosi, meaning that if she gets something and doesn't object to her children getting the rest, or if she um, even gets nothing, but she explicitly says I'm okay with that, I'll rely on my sons, so then indeed that she has the power to forfeit her her ksuba and that would be effective um, in losing her ksuba that's unique to ksuba by the way it wouldn't work with I don't know other kind of creditors or different stories but for ksuba it does work and that that therefore like Rebilsi is the halakha